Hey everyone, welcome back to the Orange Shoe Podcast. And today I get to introduce you to Aviva Brill. Aviva is a life coach and the owner of Copilot for Wellness, which is her life coaching business. Aviva strives to help improve the quality of your day-to-day life. She does this by working with you one-on-one through multiple different services that she offers. I'm going to read a quick excerpt from her website. Let's see if any of this resonates with you. Tired of feeling exhausted, frustrated, and resentful? Unfulfilled by just checking the boxes and going through the motions? Needing more time and not knowing where or how to find it? Wanting to do the things that are important to you and never doing them? Wishing you were not always last on the to-do list? So if any of that I just read resonates with you, I highly recommend you continue listening. Before we hop into the episode, here's a quick message from our sponsor. Is your nutrition preventing you from reaching your goals? Do you enjoy eating healthy, but don't enjoy or have the time for all the prep work? If so, then I highly recommend checking out Lean Feast. Lean Feast is the premier meal prep service in the Madison area. They take out all the guesswork and provide you with quick, healthy meals on your schedule. The best part, you get to choose what goes into your meal and how many you purchase. Let's say you struggle with eating healthy lunches during the work week. Then you could go there, purchase five lunches, and eliminate that struggle. The meals take three minutes to warm up via microwave or stovetop, and then they are ready to eat. Season with your favorite spices to add your own little flair. Gone are the days of running to the drive-thru or skipping meals altogether because you failed to plan. Head over to Lean Feast today and use promo code OSPODCAST for 10% off every order. You will not regret this decision. Hey, Aviva, thank you so much and welcome to the Orange Shoe Podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you today and to talk about um, your business, which is called Copilot for Wellness. So thank you for taking your time today to chat with us and, uh, you know, be another great um, guest on the Orange Shoe Podcast for our listeners. Thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. And so I had, before we started pressing record, I had brought up um, for anybody that's listening to this right now, you obviously can't see Aviva, but I just complimented her on her amazing hair. <laughs> and so after you listen to this conversation today, and um, I highly recommend going to her website and you're going to, and just looking at Aviva's amazing hair that she has, she it's just beautiful <laughs> and I absolutely love it. So if that's the only thing you get from this podcast today, um, please just go check out her hair. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's super awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so with that, Aviva, you're, um, you got passed on to me from the owner of Orange Shoe Park Ridge, which his name is Talha. And you guys are t- um, in the same BNI group in, um, down in the Chicago area. And mm-hmm. he passed your information along to us, uh, to me. And I checked out your website, fell in love with what you're doing. And what you're doing is um, a lot of like health coaching, helping people, um, you know, your website says co-pilot for wellness, practical, intuitive, and effective live the life you deserve and the life you desire. And I just love it. And health coaching is one of those things that, um, I have, you know, learned more about over the years and have fallen in love with because, you know, I, as a personal trainer, focus on the, the human body and the physical aspect of fitness and health. And I love health coaching because you you do talk about the benefits and the importance of working out and nutrition, but it's also squaring away the things outside of our lives that also can impact the nutrition and the wellness. And so it's like a very big picture um, look at 
just kind of like how we feel and how we function on a day-to-day basis. And so I just absolutely love it. And so I would love for you to give us a quick little background on who Aviva is and what led you to starting Copilot for Wellness. Oh, I'd be happy to share that. Um, So I went to the University of Chicago for a master's in clinical social work. And um, while I was in grad school, I decided to go more policy admin and development and but I wanted the clinical base because I knew that I wouldn't be able to pick that up just on the street. And I spent um, after grad school, I spent 16 years overseeing government contracts, programs and staff and, and um, dealing with uh, local government and um, lots of Excel spreadsheets and lots of hours in front of a computer and um, in meetings. And what I saw is that I really loved the people aspect of my work but I did not love the um, Excel spreadsheet and (laughs) um, office politics and um, infighting of the work. And um, after 16 years of dedicating myself to workforce development programs, um, the company I worked for lost a large sum of money in contracts and I was laid off. And I took that time to do a lot of soul searching in regards to what I really wanted to do with my life and my career. I loved the education that I got. I valued the experience that I had gained. And as I looked around, I realized 20 years before that, I had learned about life coaching and that's really what I wanted to do. It was all of the problem solving and all of the people engagement that I so loved. But in life coaching, I could do work that was holistic. I've danced all my life. I also have this intensive administrative background. Um, I've always, since I was 13 years old, learned how to eat clean and healthy. And so life coaching allowed me to take an holistic approach to working with people. And so I got certified at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which I thought was a really beautiful compliment to my clinical background, as well as my love for being active and having movement integrated into my daily life. And I started my practice about six years ago. Wow, that's amazing. And what were some of the, you know, you know, what were some of the emotions and and things that you were feeling when you were working that job you had for, you know, working for the government, like doing what you were doing for 16 years at that you realized that like, we're no longer serving you, you know? And I feel like a lot of the times, you know, with, you know, our jobs and stuff, we sometimes can justify, you know, staying in our current job just for whatever reason, even though it's really not fulfilling us and serving us. And so what were some of those things that just kind of were very eye-opening to you that you, after, you know, you got laid off that you were actually able to like, think, you know, think about that you realized like, oh, wow, like I never really thought about how much this was really like, you know, eating at me. Like, what were some of those things that you've, you know, actually had that like, kind of like aha moment with when you finally had the time to think about it? Well, that's a great question. And I think you point out something really important, which is, um, you know, when was that moment that you realized, aha, this is a a soul sucking job that is just squeezing the life out of you. And, you know, actually, I knew it almost all along. I was trying to fit into 
a, a box or as I often said, like a beige cubicle of what I was supposed to do and what I thought I should do. I had a mortgage and a car payment and a child in private school. And so I was supposed to do all these things and fit into somebody's or society's expectation of all these things that I was supposed to do and behave a certain way and look a certain way, as opposed to really taking that leap and doing work that I absolutely love, where I feel like I, I am in my my full skill set. And um and and I I was I I was unhappy and just checking boxes and I wasn't using my full skill set nor was my full skill set valued at the place that I was at because they needed a different skill set so they thought I was a very nice lady but I wasn't excelling at the work because it wasn't work that I truly loved where I could use my my best skills and I think, like you were saying, a lot of people find themselves in that. Um, when we were talking earlier, you talked about the golden handcuffs. And I said, yes, there's that. And then there's this, uh, in addition, this list of things where we just go through the motions and we check boxes of shoulds and supposed tos. And we really limit ourselves and we squeeze ourselves into uh, a tight concept of what we think we're supposed to be instead of being something much bigger, something much richer. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes, you know, when we get so busy, we actually never even allow ourselves time to even check in, check in with ourselves, you know, and ask us to ask ourselves those questions of like, am what I'm doing, is it still serving me? Do I want to continue doing it? What changes can I make? What changes, you know, you know, what changes can I make to, to better my daily life? Like, and I, one question I always, you know, I actually have a podcast episode about it. It was just kind of like asking yourself, like, what does your perfect day look like? And, you know, I feel like simple, simple questions like that. Sometimes we just kind of like, we don't even give ourselves time to even think about that stuff because we are so busy. When, if you did have the time, you might start making these, these decisions, for change a lot sooner if we just gave ourselves that like peace and quiet and that time to kind of ask some of those questions um, because of just kind of the hustle culture, the hustle mentality that is a lot of like corporate, corporate business. And if, so if I can jump in, I, I think, I think there's something in between that though. Mm -hmm. I think we, we make sure that we're busy so that we don't ask the questions because the answers to those questions often mean that there will be discomfort mm. and that there will be change. And we are discomfort and change avoidant. <laughs> and so if I'm too busy and if if I don't feel well enough, if I'm if, 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 then I don't have to look at what the truth is because my mm -hmm. honest answer i might not like it and there's risk involved and there's discomfort involved and there's change involved and i'm avoiding all that so i'm just going to keep on complaining about my job or whatever is my situation you know not exercising not eating well not sleeping well not having the connection with friends family or community that i want so that i can avoid any change discomfort or risk Mm -hmm. And I love the the saying, you know, like, you know, it's not I'm not necessarily that it's a saying, but it's the like the idea that everything that we do serves us. 
mm-hmm. in some capacity, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Like That's there's a right. reason, there's a reason why we continue to be the way we are, or the reason why we continue to fill our schedules so much. But even even complaining serves us, you know, and sometimes we love to complain without ever the intention to actually fix it. We just love hearing ourselves complain and letting somebody know how busy we are or look how stressful I am as if sometimes it's like a badge of honor. Even, even I, I love that. Even so much in the past several years, I've gone from saying I'm busy to saying my schedule is full because we're a society that um, overvalues busyness when busy can be anything. But mm-hmm. if you have a full schedule, or maybe sometimes you don't, my schedule's not full. Absolutely, I can get together. Or yes, I can do an extra hour at the gym. But somehow that's not valued. It's not esteemed as highly. And busyness is overrated. <laughs> it is very much overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that might busy. be controversial, but you know I got to say it. Yeah, and I, sometimes when I think of the word busy, I think of frantic. And Mm -hmm. I busy gets me, gets my skin crawling. It makes um, busy to me seems as if I have no control of what's happening to me. Busy to me seems like I'm being very reactive instead of proactive. That every day I just let life happen to me instead of me planning and expecting. And I know what's going to happen Monday. I know what my day looks like Tuesday. I know what my day looks like Wednesday. And So busy is like, to me, if I'm busy, it's probably because I didn't do a good enough job planning and I'm reacting to what's happening to me instead of, you know, knowing and planning for it. Well, yeah, what it sounds to me like you're saying is I'm busy almost sounds like chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, And planning is, is, as you're saying, extremely important Um, so that you can have an idea of what to expect. But a lot of times with my clients, they are attempting to control externally. So Mm -hmm. I always like to make sure to insert the idea that, yes, you can make plans, but you cannot control everything externally. You can only control that which is in your head and Mm -hmm. how you respond and how you behave, what you say and the choices you make. And so plans don't always go to plan. And so there's some flexibility that needs to, and some fluidity that needs to happen because life is not always going to plan. Mm -hmm. And and so then that decreases chaos as well, not trying Mm -hmm. to control externally. Um, And yes, having a plan, like you're saying, executing it to the greatest extent that you're able, but also allowing for when things don't work out as you had hoped. Yeah, you have to be flexible. And I love how you said like, with the only thing we can control is how we react to things. And like, and that's exactly what you're getting to is like in your head, you know, if something goes bad or something surprises you, or you get that like last minute, like email that you wish you would have never gotten the way it's how we react to it. So if you, if you react to it in a very calm and in, in like a very calm manner, and you don't let that email make you mad and it and you don't feel like you need to accomplish that email or whatever that task is that has been brought to you right away you can make that experience a lot more enjoyable 
or if we do get very triggered by that email and we think we have to respond to it right away or do the task right away, now we're creating, you know, that busyness or that that feeling of chaos. And yeah, the only thing we can control is what happens between our two ears and how how do we perceive and how do we react um, to the things that happen to us in our lives. We have complete right. control of that. That's well, it, that's exactly right. We have complete control of that, but for some reason, we're not really taught that. Instead, we're taught to focus on that which isn't working, focus on the negative, and to be reactive and to be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the one of the greatest things about um, how our culture has started to text as a primary form of communication is I realized that through texting, I didn't have to respond right away, kind of like you were saying with an email. Mm -hmm. And so I always, years ago, I would react to things right away. And through texting, I learned, oh, I can actually walk away from my phone. I don't (laughs) have to respond right away. I can think about how I feel. I might be angry or sad or frustrated or let down. And I can have those feelings. It's not that we have to be happy or positive all the time. Contrast and feelings are healthy. But then what is it that I want to convey? What is what is it that I want to accomplish in my response for myself and Mm -hmm. in the situation and being able to extrapolate that in the moment, um, face to face, over email, on the phone, any type of communication, we actually have that choice. And we are rarely told to empower ourselves with, you know, even if you're face to face with someone in a business situation, in a relationship, you can take a minute or several minutes or days if needed to respond because you get to make choices about yourself. And sometimes we need a couple of awkward seconds or we need a few days to respond. We don't have to react. And sometimes that gets us the often mm-hmm. that gets us the best result for ourselves and the other person involved. Yeah. There's been so many times where yeah, you get emails that if you responded in the moment to that email, probably would not be a true depiction of how you feel and you would you know you were you're going to respond in a way that you wish that you could retract and giving yourself that time to yeah go for a walk and and give yourself that space you're now going to now respond in a very more in, in a in a pro, in a productive fashion and not in a like a hurtful or a a fashion that's just going to lead to um more stress or issues moving forward so yeah that that's so important to like yeah giving yourself that time before the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it takes a little bit of practice, but um, it, it is totally doable once you realize, oh, I'm in this situation. Oh, I know what this is. Oh, okay. Normally I say you blah, 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 or, <laughs> you know, what, whatever expletives or something that may come to mind. Um, and instead to say, oh, okay, I recognize this. I've been here before. This is how I normally respond I can choose to respond differently. How do I want to respond? What is the outcome I want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's it's a great way of looking at it. And you know, with your um, with Copilot for Wellness and your business, what does your typical client come to you looking for? Like, what are they struggling with, and where? Like, what is it that they're really kind of looking to accomplish when they start working with you? Hmm. Um. A lot of my clients are um, predominantly women 
although I do work with men, but predominantly women, um, often who are professional moms um, in their 30s and 40s. Um, and they're dealing with managing time, managing stress, managing anxiety, learning how to um, shift mindset and perspective so that they're learning how to control what's in their head and how they respond versus trying to control people and things outside of them. And also learning how to develop a better concept of setting boundaries, saying no, not over scheduling so that they have time to take care of themselves, their loved ones, and those other interests that are important to them. Mm -hmm. And how did you typically start that conversation with someone? Um, and, and like, yeah, where, like, what's usually like the first step or like the big thing, like if you had to pick one thing that you would like, like where everyone should start, like where, where do you kind of tend to start those, those coaching, those coaching sessions or th that conversation with that, with your client? So with every client that reaches out to me and wants to have um, a one hour complimentary consultation with me, I send them an email that gives them all kinds of information about who I am, my background, what coaching is like with me and how I believe coaching with me is different than therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, I ask four questions and mm -hmm. I ask for the client to write out the responses and send them to me so that I can think about, because I want to hit the ground running in our first yeah. session. And even if clients end up not working with me, I want to make sure that I give them value something yeah. to think about, and even something that might cause a positive shift in their mind or even in their lives in that first hour. And it does happen over and over again that that, that is a, a tangible possibility. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the those questions are really, really basic questions that we often, like you were saying, don't stop to think about. Like, what is it that I want to achieve? This is just paraphrasing. What is it that mm -hmm. I want to achieve? What have I tried to achieve that? What has kept me from achieving those things in the past or currently? And where do I see myself in the next year? Mm. And, um, you know, we kind of like you were exactly as you were saying, we often don't think about those things and, to take the time and space to answer them um, really causes can cause a great shift. Um, I have a client that I was working with recently, and in she really wanted to leave her career of 11 years. She was highly valued in that career. Um, she loved her job. She loved who she worked with and the work that she was doing, but she was ready for a change. And um, in after our first hour, she said she would think about working together and everything that we had discussed. We followed up. And by the time we followed up, which was just four days later, she had already given notice to her job of 11 years. Wow. Yeah, it, yeah. it can be it can be really effective just stopping to ask yourself some really basic but critically important questions. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing too how sometimes someone may want, they know they want to 
you know, stop doing whatever they're doing, whether it's their career or a habit that's no longer serving them. But sometimes it's like they need permission from an outside person to be able to do it. So like, for example, like your client, she probably knew all along that that job wasn't serving her and that she wanted to leave it. And then speaking with you or with you gave her that permission and that like, okay, that like, yeah, you can do that. And, and sometimes I feel like as a personal trainer, you know, with coaching is sometimes I feel like some people know what they need to do. They just needed to start working out with me and to understand that like, yeah, that is the right thing to do. And you, you do have permission to do that and you can do that before they take action. And, and, and it's so for her to make that decision working with you, you know, it was four days after starting to work with you that she put in that resignation is like, it was almost like she just needed that little kick in the butt. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, you're absolutely right that hearing, hearing something that, you know, but from a totally objective, neutral source at, can be incredibly powerful. And as I had discussed with her, it sounded like she knew what she wanted and she was ready to do it. There was just something holding her back. And then as we worked together, we identified exactly what that was. And for her, it was feeling guilty and not wanting to let people down mm-hmm. and, and feeling like she would be less valued because she wasn't working 40 or 60 hours a week because that's how she had been raised in her family culture, that the more I work, the better, you know, the more I'm loved. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us think that, but it's it's just a construct. Yeah, we sometimes we put our value in things that we shouldn't be putting our value in, like how people perceive us by how many hours we work. Like that's not the stuff that's really that important, but it's like, how good of a friend are you? And things like that, like we kind of put our value in stuff that like has no you know, there's, there's, it's not necessary to put our value in that stuff, but it's because of the culture and the stuff that we're, we're surrounded by, um, daily. And with that, like we, we had talked about this before we started recording is just the whole idea of asking for help and how, you know, how much of that, of that is an issue to where, you know, um, people are just, the, the permission or knowing that it's okay to ask for help. And they're just having, they have a hard time of, of, offloading or trusting that if they do ask for help, that that whatever that task that they're asking for help with will actually be done correctly and things like that. So how often is that uh, an issue with uh, clients that you work with? I, you know, I, I think that's um, a frequent issue. I, I know that in, in some form that comes up with almost every client that I work with, um, and male or female, and and for various reasons, um, from, based on gender and just based on the personality type. But people often feel like they are inadequate or less than or not holding up their end, or like they do something better, and so they don't want to ask somebody else to do it. And mm-hmm. they they feel shame. Um, if anybody hasn't seen the Brene Brown uh, video on shame, definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Rachel Rogers, who's an author, she also talks about the importance of delegation. And especially in a family, like you and your partner, you, your partner and your children sit down in the house and talk. Doing so that I don't have to do it all. So whoever is the eye of, you know, of that conversation, relinquishing some control and trusting that things will get done 
and everyone will be safe and it will be good enough, even if it is not done the way that you would do it. But mm -hmm. then you are able to take that extra 15 minutes or three hours per week or whatever it might be and do something where you're feeding yourself so mm. that you can better take care of your yourself, your loved ones, and invest in the things that you want to do. As we were talking about earlier, and it's so often used, the analogy of the adult putting on their oxygen mask first so they can then take care of the child in a, God forbid, airplane incident. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing here. Learn how to relinquish some control, do some delegation, ask for help. There's no shame in that. In fact, it's quite valiant. No war is fought just with one person. <laughs> and, and share it. And then live a bigger, fuller, richer life in so doing. Absolutely. And I, that delegation is so important. And um, that was, uh, I can't remember, I was listening to a, another podcast and I, I can't re remember which one it was, but they're, was kind of talking about like you said, you know, your partner and, your, and then if you have a family and you have kids and it's amazing, like you could use your kids to do some things as well. Like, and I think, you know, asking the kids to help you with meal prep or getting the, as, especially as they start getting older. And, and it's, it's amazing how this parent on this podcast was just talking about like, um, you know, some of the ways that they get more things done and how they delegate. And it's not only delegating to your partner, but delegating to your kids. Like your your kids are actually more times than not wanting to help out. And they're they're eager to learn how to dice up the onion or meal prep or, you know, start the laundry or whatever. It's just that we're not, we're not like asking them to do it and or we're not thinking that they're capable of doing it when they probably are. And I feel like sometimes in that podcast I was listening to, they're saying like, as parents, our kids are actually some of our most untapped <laughs> resources, resources for delegation. Yes, yeah, that, that, that is exactly right. And, you know, I'm, I'm a parent and I love taking care of my child. It is one of my greatest joys in life. And at the same time, I understand that by not allowing her or expecting her to do things, it is a disservice to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many good life lessons like responsibility and things like that that they can learn from, you know, having, you know, you know like whatever you could call them chores or whatever and and having those things to do. And then as they age, teaching them other things that could also benefit then the family and time management and delegation. And I love the idea that just like you said, like sitting down as a family, like how often has that happened where we we all sit down as a family and then chat about how can we all help each other be successful? And having that, just like that conversation, I think for so many people, just like having that little conversation could be so beneficial. Um, and it's probably a conversation that's not happening a lot in a lot of like in a lot of households. And it's funny, like me and my wife, Kelly, are both very, very type A. We're both very clean people. Um, and and it's funny how like there are certain things that like I clean the bathroom a certain way in the house. And <laughs> Kelly would for a long time would like tell me to do things a different way. And, and she was just like, oh my God, I'm micromanaging you. I should just be happy that you're cleaning the bathroom. And it's not the way that I would clean it or not the order where like I start with the toilet and then go to the sink and finish with the shower. You know, she's like, it, I need to just let that go. Like I can't, the fact that you're cleaning the bathroom is awesome. And I need to just let that duty go and not micromanage how you do it. And, you know, and, and then how I would do it. And it there, and that's obviously 
something that all relationships have to go through, right? Is, you know, help, <laughs> just, you know, not micromanaging the other person. And, but since we're both very type A, um, that has been definitely something that we've both have had to work through and just offloading the task and just knowing that that person's going to get it done in a timely manner and they're going to get it done however they want to do it. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't muck up our brains worrying about if they're doing it a certain way. Well, right, Tom, what you're talking about is her not having to control externally and trusting you that it will be okay. Mm -hmm. So relinquishing external control and instead embracing trust. Mm -hmm. Very different than I have to do everything. I'm the only one who can get it done the right way. You guys don't help me out enough. Wait, wait, wait. Well, those those two things can't live together. (laughs) Right. I'm, I'm resentful because you don't do more, but you can't do more because you don't do it well enough. Yep. And so that's, that's a beautiful thing because what you're saying is your wife was realizing what she was doing, decided I don't have to do that. And I can trust my husband that he's going to do it just fine. In fact, he's going to do it great. It's just different than I would have done it. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a very sticky point in uh, a lot of people's lives, whether it comes for their significant others or their employees or, you know, um, coworkers or anything. And it, it's just, it's just so true. And I think it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's very tough. It's, it's not going to be easy, um, but it's going to take some, it's going to take some work and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be challenging for sure for a lot of people um, as it was for me. And, you know, especially being a business owner, you know, for me and being a business owner, it's really tough because you're teaching, you're relying on, you know, your employees to uphold the business to your standard and, and, but also in the way of not micromanaging and trusting. And as a business owner, I feel like you definitely, you definitely um, learn that lesson really quickly of how to uh, delegate and then offload. Otherwise you're paying somebody to do the job that you're just going to redo and that right. you never, you never want to do it. Cause it's like, okay, they're going to do it. And then I'm going to go redo it. And an example of that, we, we hired a cleaning service for the gym and we paid them to clean the gym. And then my wife and I both walked into the gym and we started cleaning things that we thought they didn't do a good job of. And we were like, we hired the company to not to allow us to free up that time. So we didn't have to clean the gym. But then we realized because we're so type A that we're like, you know what? No one's going to clean the gym as as good as we're ever going to clean it because we're the owners. And so then we're just like, screw it. We're not going to pay a company. We're just going to clean it ourselves. And until this day, like I love cleaning the gym. Like I don't love cleaning the gym, but I do it because it's very important and everyone loves a clean gym. But every day I'm cleaning the gym, I'm always like, you know what? I should hire this out. And then I always think about, you know what, with the last company I hired, they didn't do a good enough job. I had to come in. I had a remop. I needed a vacuum. I needed to do stuff. And and so as a business owner, I've had to go through that all the time. Well, you know, in, in the same way that, um, you know, we, we do want things done in a quality way. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, my daughter asked, I, I offered to make my daughter's breakfast this morning. And so I, I made it for her. She was happy about that. Um, and then once she started to eat it, she said, this tastes different. What did you do? And I said, oh, I added this and that. You've liked that before. And she she said, okay, I'll just make my breakfast from now on because she didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, maybe moving forward, what you can say is, if you make my breakfast, can you do it in the way that I do it? I like it better that way. 
And so instead of just taking it back and saying, no, I'll just do it, to consider if you do want to make me breakfast, can you do it in this way? So in, and I say that to give an example, if, you know, it would be great if you and your wife didn't always have to clean the gym. And so maybe you look at another company and you tell them, here's how we would like it done. Mm -hmm. And then see, give them the opportunity to do it that way. And mm -hmm. maybe you give them a little training, not training, training, but, <laughs> you know, but feedback on what they did yeah. and see if they improve. And then if they don't, maybe then you make a different decision. Mm -hmm. But we can do that with our partners. We can definitely do that at work, especially as management, you know, people have to do that where you want to support people in doing better. And we definitely do that with our kids. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So true. I'm still learning that lesson, like all of us, right? Like all <laughs> it's of a, us. It's a, it's a nonstop, nonstop pursuit. Um, so now I'm on your website and we have um I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the programs that you offer. And I know they're 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 different in how like the the length of how long someone's working with you, but I would love also for you to like kind of share maybe some of the differences as well. Um so we have your you have a six month program, you have a eight week program, and then you also have a program that is just four 45 minute sessions. Um, what is like, if there is any difference or if it's maybe just the, the amount of time, um, but how do those programs work? And with those three programs, um, which ones do you recommend and why would you recommend one over the other? And is it just depending on, you know, how much time this person wants to work on it and things like that. So some of the differences and uh, what those kind of um, those programs entail. Um, I So each one is different, and I'd be happy to talk about each one. So the four-week program, it meets four weeks in a row for 45 minutes each. Um, everything, um, all of my programs and all of my calls have highly detailed notes that I write in real time and then send to the client um, within 48 hours after the session. Mm -hmm. And um, those notes are great for allowing the client to be present in the moment, to be able to go back and reflect on what was discussed for, you know, the, the next day, as well as for months or years after that. It also allows the client to see their progress over time as they read back through the notes. It's also a great way to enter into a difficult conversation uh, with a partner or with another person that you've been having a, a challenge with because mm -hmm. it comes from this um, neutral third party. Mm -hmm. And um, so a great beginning has 44, 45 minute sessions within a month um, that comes with notes. And it is exactly that. It's a great beginning. Um, we have these four sessions that, you know, have this regular interval and um, it's 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 condensed, and I have found that it's very effective for people who have essentially one specific thing that they want to work on. Much like I was saying, this client really wanted to leave her job, but was afraid to make the leap, and um, she was ready. And so we worked on some of those things, and she was able to address this part of the things that she wants to work on, and she knows that she can come back when she has other big things that she'd like support working on. Mm, that's perfect. So that's that's a great beginning. And then um, Life is Your Best Self is an eight-week program that is structured. It has worksheets and um, 
videos, not that I've done, but from YouTube um, that are on meditations and breathing exercises and um, other food for thought that's related to this program, Life is Your Best Self. And essentially what that is, is looking back at the best of who you were and pulling from that. Because as we um, get into full-time adulting, we often leave uh, by the wayside or forget about certain magical or courageous or fun and spontaneous aspects of who we were. Mm -hmm. And so remembering those and bringing them into the present and then looking at the best of who we are today and identifying those things and really illuminating them. And then looking forward into who we want to become and the life we want to live and what it would take to do that. Mm, and so that. Life is Your Best Self is this structured program that puts all those things together. And um, it also meets every week for eight weeks. And um, I, I like to describe my programs as um, a large pool. So a great beginning is like sitting at the very edge with just your feet on the top stair. <laughs> You know, and and then um, life as your best self is like uh, swimming in a lane. It is narrow but deep, and it is totally focused on you. Mm. And then the six month program, life on your terms, meets twice per month for forty five minutes each. Also has the notes, but you also have the opportunity to have a fifteen minute call each week as needed to support any specific things that we're working on. You also have unlimited email and text, you know, reasonably speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the things that I really love about this six month program is not only is there the quantitative or the qualitative aspect where um, you're getting the notes and we're working on, on the challenges that you want to focus on, but after that initial meeting, I pull from there um, and I create four to eight statements that focus on what it is you would like to improve. And I send them to the client for their approval for any additions, changes, subtractions. And then the client rates those statements at the very beginning of the work, at the three-month point of the work, the midpoint, and then at the end of the work. And they they rate and then we compare their scores and what has happened each time is not only have they felt things improving and um, a shift in mindset and um, an, an awareness of how to manage themselves and their situations, but they quantitatively see that there's a difference in these things. And they're often very surprised that yeah. it also happened in that way. Wow. Those all your programs sound amazing. And uh, I kind of like how you're saying the quantitative, because that's very what we do in fitness, right? We track people's numbers to show them because sometimes if we don't track, it's really easy to think that we haven't seen results when we really have, because we're all very hard on ourselves. Yes. And so when you have that written down quantitative like way to go back and check, it's like, there's no arguing. You can't, you can't, you know, argue that data because it's right there. And so I, I love that. And, you know, I, life coaching is, is so amazing. And I, I think it's just like so many, even with fitness, when I 
I talk to a lot of people when they're joining the gym and they're they're starting to add health. They're really trying to focus on their health and their fitness. And a lot of times people have a hard time joining a gym because they feel like it's selfish. Um, they feel like they're taking time out of their day to focus on them when they should be utilizing that time to focus on their jobs, their kids, or their significant others, or you know what may be. And um, and I just tell them that it, it is not it is not selfish at all. Like we got to, we got to fill our cup up before we can fill anybody else's cup up. And the, you know, the like hiring a coach like yourself for life coaching is something that is not only going to benefit you, it's not selfish. It's going to benefit your family. It's going to benefit your job. It's going to benefit your coworkers. It's going to benefit and ripple. The ripple effect is going to be outstanding. It's going to not only benefit you, it's going to benefit everybody else in your life because you're going to be a better version of yourself. And investing in yourself is never, never a bad idea. And, um, yeah. And so like hearing what your programs are and what they're doing is just like every, everybody, we could all benefit from having a coach and having somebody by our side and, um, your programs are like perfect for that. Well, thank you. And, and I, I just want to double down on what you said, investing in yourself. There is absolutely nothing selfish about mm -hmm. investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's it's crucial for us to do it. And if we don't, we pay the price. Mm -hmm. You know, whether whether like you and I were talking about atrophying muscles, joint pain, muscle pain, weight gain, poor sleep, poor relationships, being miserable at work, being unfulfilled, making poor food choices, uh, decreasing movement and activity, much less exercise. Mm -hmm. in your life but when you invest in yourself all of those things increase they, yep. there is a ripple effect to investing in yourself positively even in one area and mm -hmm. whether it's with coaching or with personal training or just deciding to add something green on your plate where you never did before there will be a positive ripple effect mm-hmm and with, you know, clients, because we've all worked with clients, right, where, you know, we get the clients that are very successful. And then we get the clients that, you know, we feel like they weren't successful, like the program didn't serve them, it didn't work. And what what do you feel like are some of the common outlying things as to why, you know, something like your coaching program wouldn't, doesn't work, you know, and is it because they just didn't put the work in? Is it, or were they, you know, did they just not fully 100% buy in? Um, you know, like sometimes I feel like there's a lot of times where we, a lot of people come to us, you know, like Tom, I, I you know, I need to lose a hundred pounds. I, I need to lose 50 pounds. I, I, I need to become healthier and start working out. And then their actions don't reflect their words. And I'm like, you know, we can't get you progress unless you're willing to put the work in. And there was a great quote from James Clear. Do you know James Clear and Atomic Habits? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there was a great quote. I signed up for James Clear's uh, newsletter he sends out every Thursday. It's called the 321 Newsletter. And he leaves it every newsletter with a question. And the question that he asked everybody yesterday when it came out was, are the results I am expecting aligned with the habits I am following each day? And 
I feel like sometimes we, when we seek help, we think that just by seeking the help, the result is just going to come without, like they put too much weight into Aviva as in Aviva is just going to fix all my issues. She's in a miracle worker. She's going to sprinkle this dust on my head and um, my life is going to be squared away. And, you know, I feel like, so when people start your program and, or just in life in general, what do you feel like sometimes is obviously they know they want help and they, they need help and they want to fix things. So they reach out to you and they, they, they start working with you as a coach, but what leads to somebody ultimately not making that change or getting the result in which they initially maybe reached out for? Not being open to new perspective and resisting mm. the work. Mm. And then do you, do you sometimes pick up on that with somebody when you're coaching them? And then how do you approach that with them? Oh, I, I definitely pick up on it. And, um, one, one of the things that I, I love about being able to coach, which maybe isn't different than therapy, but it seems to be a little bit different than therapy is I feel very comfortable in making an observation about the work in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I am deeply focused on having integrity in my work and being effective and mm -hmm. if I'm not being effective, then the the work doesn't have value. And I want to make sure to provide value. And so I will ask the client, is this work being effective for you? If it is not, then why? What? Why do you think that is? Is there something that we could be doing differently? And what are you willing to do? And do you need to see something different from me? Mm -hmm. And... I, I can think of three clients over the past six years who didn't get um, really important, sustaining results. And um, that was either because of a great avoidance of discomfort, and they did not want to take that next big step. They were on the precipice and, and just did not want to do it. Or because they were still focused on being a victim and um, could not unhook themselves from that self-concept um, or they knew what to do. They knew how to do it, but they were not yet willing. Mm. Yeah. And I do feel like, you know, people, it, 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 it does take, you know, sometimes you meet people at different parts of their life and their journey. And, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself that where, you know, because I just, I want to help so much. I want to help people so much. And I want to make an impact immediately in everybody's life that I, that I meet when it comes to the health and fitness side of things that, you know, sometimes you're just like, you want to do the work for them. And you're just like, oh, like if you just did what I said, like you would, you would see the benefits immediately. And sometimes I got to remind myself is that like right now that person's soul or that, that person as a whole is just in the stage of collecting information. Right. And they're never actually going to take action right now. Like they're never going to take the action in which that you, you want them to, but it's not that they're not going to take the action ever. It just may not be when they're working with you or in that lifespan that you work with them. And so then I always default to when I work with somebody, I want to educate as much as possible because mm -hmm. my expectation is that this person may not always be 
a client of mine, or I may not be able to touch them as directly as I can now, but maybe in three years, they were going to remember the education that I passed on to them. And then now they'll start acting on it and now they'll get the result. Yeah. And, um, and that, that, I think that's where I steer. And sometimes I have to remind myself that like, as much as somebody says they want to take action now, their action was actually just showing up and doing the consult and joining the gym. And they're okay with that's, that's as far as I'm about to take this health journey right now is I will, I signed up, I'm going to show up to my sessions, but that's about as much as I could put in. I'm not really going to focus on the things outside the gym right now um, that I know I need to do as well, but I need to just take it in a small step. And so that like, I feel like I default to education because I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Everybody I work with is going to be at a different stage of this process. Well, and, um, Maybe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe part of that is when you see that um, resistance or that not being quite ready in the client, maybe that's when you pass the baton to somebody like me who can then ask and open up the question of what do you need to be successful right now that you're not getting from yourself, not from Tom, because mm-hmm. Tom is providing you the education and the beautiful clean environment and the knowledge and the expertise. And so sometimes that may be crossing into areas that, you know, go too deep and wide. Yeah. Beyond our scope. Yep. Beyond your scope. Exactly. And so then to be able to have someone where even if they just ask it of themselves or, mm-hmm. To float that out, what is it that you need to be ready to make this change? You Mm -hmm. did this, you took this great step. What is it that you need? What would make that possible? And a lot of times people won't have a ready answer, but they get to think about it. And if they have a safe place to talk about it, they might actually jump that line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that's very true. And that's why it was another reason I was really excited to talk with you because like you are that you know, with what you do with life coaching, I feel is this that buffer. And I feel like, you know, a, a great fitness and a great fitness coach having a partnership with a great life coach. And I, I know a lot of fitness coaches also get, you know, health coaching certified, life coaching certified as well, because it is important. And I, sometimes I feel like that is actually the bigger, the bigger bucket that we need to be focusing on not so much, you know, I always say, you know, I, and I, I use this a lot and I explain and try to, you know, inform a lot of clients about this is that when we start to become healthier and we want to say lose weight or gain strength and things like that, fitness plays a role. It does. It, it is, you know, working out and exercising and going up to going to the gym plays a role, but it's not everything. Because if we only put all our eggs in the basket of exercise and working out, thinking that that's going to be the thing that's going to allow me to lose the 20 pounds or the 30 pounds, but we're still not kind of squaring away life, like the, uh, the life coaching side of things of like being fulfilled in my job and having good relationships with my family and my significant other and my coworkers and my positive self-talk, my, my mindset. Um, you know, like you said, the victim thing, not playing and not having a victim mentality, I feel like sometimes that is what ultimately holds people back from seeing the results in the gym. Because if we don't have a better relationship with our jobs, we don't set boundaries in our lives. 
now fitness is usually that thing that takes the biggest hit because now we're missing our workouts because we didn't set boundaries with work. We're now eating, we're not eating healthy because we're we're burning the midnight oil and we're working 16 hour days. And so we're stopping and grabbing fast food instead of having the time to cook a meal at home. Um, we're stressed out. So we result to drinking alcohol more than we should which is you know ruining our recovery and we're just loading our body full of toxins on a daily basis and so i feel like a great um a great balance is is you know we sometimes we put too much put too much emphasis on thinking any one thing in our life is going to fix all our issues instead of realizing that it's going to be uh, analyzing and putting work into a lot of things um and and i think that's where we're going to be able to make the biggest impact yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And and it's it's that balance, it's holistic, and having people help you cover all those bases, because for some people it could be overwhelming. Um, it's doable. It's doable having people like you on their team to help with um, figuring it out and making it happen and, you know, creating a plan, working the plan, as well as increasing the resources to support the person holistically. That's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, so Aviva, I loved chatting with you and I want to respect your time today. And um, I think this is such a great conversation. I was so excited to chat with you and I'm like so excited to get this podcast out and have as many people listen to it as possible. And um, if somebody has been inspired by this conversation today and they're like, wow, Aviva is amazing. I want to see her amazing hair and I want to <laughs> <laughs> and I want to chat with her and I would love to partner with her and work with her. What is the best way for somebody to connect with you? The best way for someone to connect with me is through my website, copilotforwellness.com and they can out and that goes directly to my email and I'll follow up and it would be great to say I heard you on the orange shoe podcast and that way I know and um, we can jump right in and I'll send them the in preparation for email and we can get get to that one hour complimentary consultation right away awesome yeah and I'm on your website right now and right at the bottom it says I'd love to talk let's connect and it is drop their email in perfect uh, super simple. So everybody listening, I will also have a link to her website in the show notes um, so that you could just go ahead and click right on that link. And it looks like you also have an Instagram, Facebook um, account as well. Are you pretty active on those? I am intermittently active on social. So I primarily am on Instagram, which is connected to my Facebook. And mm -hmm. um, I, my Instagram is a great way to get to know me. And it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit silly and a little bit serious. Um, and I post as um, my, my heart guides me to for now, working mm -hmm. on a strategy later. Um, but it is um, definitely sincerely Aviva and Copilot for Wellness. And my handle is copilot.wellness on Instagram and Copilot Aviva Brill on Facebook. Perfect. Awesome. So Aviva, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, I absolutely enjoyed the conversation so much and I'm really excited to get this episode out and, um, and yeah, just thank you so much for taking the time and just sharing your knowledge and your passion for doing what you do. 
Tom, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. I enjoyed it so much. Oh, thank you so much, Aviva. I hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy your weekend. All right. Thank you. You too. As always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate every listen that I get. With that being said, if you have any feedback or any questions you would like answered on future episodes, please use the link in the bio above to submit me a quick little voice message you could do right from your phone. I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much again for listening and have a great rest of your day.